Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. We've got a guest on the show today, a repeat guest. We've got Don Hawkins. He's the president and CEO of the Worship Channel, and I'll let him tell you about that in just a little bit, but he was also the president of Southeastern Bible College, and he wrote this book a little while back called Never Give Up. And Don and I become friends because of a mutual friend of mine from the frozen tundra up there in Minneapolis, and I just, I really love this conversation. So, Don Hawkins, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, it's an honor to be back with you and a real delight to be a part of the I Work For Him family today. It's it's a lot of fun, and the family grows every day. I, I hear people talking about it, and I love that because it's not about me. It is all about these ministries that are making a marketplace impact on professionals all the time, and we love highlighting these ministries. And at the same time, I kind of share how I'm struggling with it all along, <laughs> which, is, which is good, because if I've got a place just to struggle in front of people, vulnerability and transparency are two of my core values, along with boldness. I know that'll come as a shock to you. And so I love I love challenging people based on how I'm learning. So along that line, Don, how is Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question, Jim, because it's one every one of us needs to ask every day. I would have to say that among many different ways that Christ is making a difference in my life is by teaching me to wait, and in the process of waiting, to persevere. And those may sound like they're antithetical, but in reality, they go together. In fact, my life verse is Isaiah 40, 31, 
And it says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, most of us think of waiting on the Lord like waiting on that uh, wonderful uh, Central Florida traffic that you were talking about. <laughs> we have a dose of that here as well. Or waiting on hold on a telephone call uh, where it says press every key and, you know, you finally feel like giving up on that. But in reality, the biblical concept of waiting on the Lord uh, comes from a root word in the Old Testament that means to stretch. In fact, the word that's used in Isaiah forty thirty one uh, can be translated to wait, it can be translated to hope, it can be translated to trust, but it actually is the root of the same word that was used of Rahab in Joshua. You remember she was the the harlot, the prostitute uh, in uh, the book in the city of Jericho. And uh, the two spies came there, and she wanted them to save her life, and she came to believe in the God of Israel. And they said, stretch out a scarlet rope from your window, and that'll be the sign, and we'll know where to come to get you. And uh, that same idea of stretching uh, is really at the heart of waiting. And I believe that perseverance comes as we learn to wait on the Lord and experience that stretching experience of waiting. Wow, that was a lot. All right, we're done with the show today. That was an incredible summary of perseverance, but we're not done. we got lots more with Don Hawkins today from the Worship Channel. But he's also been the president of Southeastern Bible College and so many more things. Don, as, we, as you shared how perseverance made a difference in your life, how does it play into this whole, you're the president of the Worship Channel? And where did that come from? And what's the Worship Channel all about? Well, it's interesting as we think about it, Jim, uh, as you know, you and I first were connected because of an old friend, a mutual friend. I don't and, think it's fair uh, that you call him old, though. Yeah, we won't call him old. We'll, we'll just call him experienced. How okay. About that? <laughs> you can live with that. But uh, when we moved, Kathy and I, to Dallas in the summer of uh, 2014, our plan was to restart our live call-in radio program. I'd hosted Life Perspectives for 21 years, as you recall, and, and uh, we were planning on doing that and spending a lot of time with our grandchildren. And being out of the uh, day-to-day uh, routine and, and uh, joy of uh, shepherding uh, Southeastern Bible College, God had some other plans, and he opened the door as we made contact with this mutual friend about uh, the worship channel, the Internet radio station. That's what it is. It's a worldwide, 24-7 Internet radio station. And this friend contacted me back after I talked to him a couple of weeks previous about putting the live call-in program on there. And he said, is there any possibility that you would be interested in managing the worship channel? I said, I'll have to talk to the Lord about it because the Lord hasn't given me any light on that. And I need to talk to my wife about it. I want to make sure Kathy's on board with me. And I need to have an engineer. And God worked through all of those so that by the 1st of July, we were relaunching the worship channel. And uh, we literally uh, did this by faith. My board of encouragement communications voted to take this on. And uh, we now, uh, Jim, have been able to see listeners respond to us from 94 countries, the United States, 49 states in this country, and 93 foreign countries, every continent with the exception of Antarctica. And some of those recently include the United Arab Emirates, Lebanon, Romania, the Russian Federation, Brazil, where they have a lot of mosquitoes and, and some other serious things these days. So it's, it's been a great opportunity for us uh, to have an impact on the world through the worship channel. 
And what, if somebody signs on to the Worship Channel, uh, what can they expect? What they will find is about 70% is what we call inspirational Christian music. I call it an oldies Christian music format. Uh, a lot of it is not being played on the radio anymore, but it's the kind of music that a lot of us lived with for years and years, maybe decades, and we'd love to listen to it. And also some good, solid Bible teaching, David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, uh, a number of other good programs like that. Back to the Bible is one of them. As you know, I used to be involved in Back to the Bible. And uh, then some great features. The features include Johnny Erickson Tata, Max Lucado, Gene Getz, and some others. And the purpose of it is threefold. We want to present the gospel clearly to people who don't know Christ. We want to encourage believers, especially those who are persecuted for their faith, and they are in many of these countries. And we want to provide a link between foreign missionaries who are a long way from home and uh, Christian radio back home. That's quite a mission. I love that. I mean, that's just, you're making it 94 countries. I don't even think, we're, we're probably, we've probably hit 50 foreign countries, which we're not even trying. I mean, we're not, I mean, we yep. are an iHeartRadio, but just the iTunes downloads yep. are amazing. Mm-hmm. So people are hungry for truth, and they're hungry for challenge. And music really makes it a lot easier for people to actually reach, I mean, just, man, when I got great worship music, it enables me to hear God's voice a lot better than, you know. Oh, I think so. And, and, Jim, one of the things that's happened this last month, we get tracking information every month. We had an increase of 30% uh, accesses or page views, 30% increase over December during the month of January, uh, 11% increase in the number of sessions, and an average of 30% longer per session. As I summarize that, that means more people are listening to the worship channel and listening longer. And uh, that's increasing the impact. And I'm just so grateful uh, for the fact that God has opened this door and allowed us to have this ministry. And it's accessible at www.theworshipchannel.org. And uh, people can download a free app on their iPhone or Android. And uh, I drive around Dallas now listening to the Worship Channel on my telephone. So uh, it's, uh, it's made a difference for me. That's fantastic. All right, so how does that fit into the whole theme of perseverance? Okay, you thought you were going to retire and, and relax and uh, just play with grandkids, and and God, in the golden years of your life, has said, no, no, boy, I'm not done with you yet. You're not even anywhere close to the year age of Moses, and he didn't get his first job till he was 80. I've got a job for you. I mean, how does how did perseverance put into the, play into that? Because this was a huge step of faith. Well, and Jim, we learned years ago as we studied the Scripture that there's only one place where retirement is mentioned in the Bible. It's in the book of Numbers, and that was for the priests who retired at 50 from carrying out the service of the temple or the tabernacle. So in reality, I believe God may want us to retool at different stages of life, and that was our plan when we moved to Dallas. Uh, One of our objectives, again, was to get back into live radio. Well, lo and behold, God wanted us not only into live radio, He wanted us into radio 24-7. And I thank the Lord for uh, uh, our engineer, Keith Mayo, who came along at the right time, had experience in engineering, and uh, really his hand has made this ministry possible. And he's a great partner in ministry, and uh, I'm so grateful for that and grateful for the folks that God has raised up to stand with us in getting this ministry out. It's uh, It's been a lesson because, as you say, 
God wants us to persevere even when there are challenges. And there were challenges making the transition and getting the equipment and getting the worship channel online and keeping it online. And uh, even the other night, uh, I guess it was about two weeks ago, my engineer spent most of the night awake and working uh, to get the signal back online. I mean, there, as you know, in radio, sometimes there are technical challenges that come along that test your perseverance. Wow, it, that is so true. But a ministry, to be able to get that kind of a ministry, spread it out over the nations, and really, you're an example for many people who have thought, well, I'm just going to retire and play golf. And, and God's saying, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. I've got so much good stuff that you can do if you'll just be willing. And, and, and so that's a message out to a lot of people. Listen, it doesn't, just because you retire from a job doesn't mean you're retired. God isn't done using right. you until he takes you home. I think you're absolutely right about that, Jim, and it's an important lesson. And I'm sure that many of your listeners there in Florida may have retired from the corporate world or from their jobs. Uh, But God may certainly have plans for them, uh, whether it's involved in praying for ministries, giving to ministries, supporting ministries, reaching out to encourage people in ministry. Uh, And that includes I work for him. And I'm just delighted with the fact that you have a number of corporate and individual partners there who help to sustain your ministry. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's fun to come alongside professionals out there just reminding them, hey, what you do every day, it matters, and yes. you are a missionary. You're, well, those people that are owners and, and managers, they're pastors in their workplaces, and, and those people that are working in the workplace, they're they're missionaries. I mean, it's their mission field. It's so, it's so powerful, so important. Hey, we're talking today with Don Hawkins. He's the president and CEO of theworshipchannel.org. you got to check him out online, theworshipchannel.org. Don, we're talking about this book that you wrote a few years ago, quite a few years ago, called Never Give Up. But what I love about Perseverance is that even though you wrote it a few years ago, everything you said still applies today. In fact, if you, I mean, you wrote this book, and I don't want to give it away, but you wrote, I'm going to, you wrote this book before people really knew the internet existed. Yes. Because in 1994 is when the internet really went, I mean, that's when AOL started blasting those CDs into the households of every person in America. <laughs> but before that, people didn't realize the internet was out there. I know Al Gore said he created it, but it, before that, okay, it was created in the 40s. Yes. But so the perspective, what caused you to write this book all those years ago? Well, it's interesting, Jim. I was involved in ministry and have been involved in ministry for years Uh, including live call-in radio, reaching out to hurting people, many of whom felt like giving up. And uh, actually, I was a fairly positive person. I embraced perseverance and actually had the thought that I would never feel like quitting. Uh, Now, that's an admission of pride. It's the only way I know to put it. Uh, I've always been a determined individual, but sometimes I'm stubborn. And uh, then I encountered some circumstances that made me feel like giving up. And uh, there were a lot of factors in that, a lot of stressors. Uh, But during that time, I really came to grips with a couple of things. First of all, none of us is exempt from sometimes feeling like giving up, throwing in the towel, just not uh, exerting an effort anymore. And uh, there were times that I was tempted to do that as well. But then I also came to realize that God never wants us to give up. In fact, Jesus put it so well in Luke 18, 1, when he spoke a parable, that men should always pray and never give up. And you don't have to, Jim, be a 
scholar of Greek and Hebrew to understand what always and never mean in that context. I know that those are two words you you can't use in marriage. That much I know for <laughs> sure. Always yeah. and never. But it's so true what you're saying. I mean, and, and when Jesus talked about the persistent widow before the judge, you know, never yeah. give up, never give up. It's such a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, pattern that he presents in those following verses. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Uh, both in verse 1 and again in verse 16, says we must never give up. And the word that he uses, there are actually two words in the New Testament translated to give up. One's a word that just means to relax. It's like you're swimming across a lake, and halfway across you develop a cramp, and you don't feel like going on, and you're tired, and you just give up and sink under the water and drown. Uh, That's one concept. The other one is a word like intimidation. It's the word for give in to evil. And uh, we all know of football teams, for example, that maybe have something bad happen in the first quarter. Maybe there's a fumble, an interception, an injury that happens to a key player, and everybody says, we're going to hang in there, we're going to fight till the finish. Uh, But they really become intimidated, and they give in to the evil and and wind up giving up. And, And God doesn't want us to do either one of those. He wants us to persevere in the face of even the greatest adversity. So, Don, that question... The difference between hope and perseverance and how they're related. And Jim, I have to start with a definition of hope and contrast it with the way most people use the word in America today. Most people say, I hope the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win the Super Bowl next year. Or I hope the Tampa Bay Devil Rays will win the pennant, the World Series next year. And uh, while those things could happen, there's no absolute certainty that they will any more than there's an absolute certainty that the Dallas Cowboys or the Texas Rangers would win those respective titles. We use the word hope uh, when we think, well, I'd like for this to happen, and I wish it would happen, and I'd like to do something to help it happen, but there's a good chance it won't happen. The biblical definition of hope is totally different. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, gives us a clear-cut, two-component definition of hope. Number one, it's an absolute certainty about the future. The Lord will take us to be with Him. We'll spend eternity with Him. And that's based on an absolute certainty from the past. And that is the God who raised up the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection is the absolute certainty from the past and the blessed hope of spending eternity with the Lord when He comes back to take us to be with Him. Those give us the biblical definition of hope. Now, to put that together with perseverance, perseverance is the application of hope to the daily grind of life. If 2 Corinthians 4.14 tells us what hope is, perseverance tells us what hope does. And Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15.58, where he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be unmovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor, hard labor though it is, is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, That's perseverance, the application of hope that keeps me going even when I feel like quitting in the daily grind of life. And the way you describe hope, it, it, I mean, it's really critical to the human existence. Because without hope, and that's what I, I often wonder how my non-Christ-following friends, how do they even move forward every day? Because they don't, they live without hope because they, they've rejected the hope or they don't know of the hope. If they're my friends, they know of the hope, but they've rejected the hope. How how did they, you know, I can't imagine pers- persevering some days 
if without the hope mm. that I have in Christ, that that absolute certainty. I love that word, that absolute certainty. Now, I don't know if the Buccaneers or the Rays, well, the Rays, will they ever win a World Series? I don't know. The Buccaneers, will they win another Super Bowl? I don't know. But those things aren't near as important as will we be able to share the hope that's within us right. with those people that we work with on a daily basis, those people that we live next to in our neighborhoods. We're talking about with Don Hawkins about his book that he wrote a few years ago called Never Give Up, The Incredible Payoff of Perseverance. And I wanted to take this topic, and by the way, Ace, is, Ace, who's my engineer, is convinced that people aren't calling him for the book yet because you called him the Devil Rays instead of the Rays. They dropped the Devil part oh, because they, they wanted the people devil. to... Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize to all the Tampa-St. Petersburg fans down there. The Rays. <laughs> we'll take that D word right off the top of there. And Edit I, it out. And I have no... I think it's because people outside of Tampa didn't understand that the Devil Ray was actually a type of ray that swims yeah. around in the waters as we bathe yeah. In incredible ocean water all the time, but yes. you know people just thought it was they were evil. I, I don't know. I mean the Rays are great. They're a great small market team, just like the Twins, which I like them both. So they're great teams. Yeah, they're good teams, and the Kansas City Royals also good small market teams. Well, and we like the Kansas City Royals because Ben Zobrist went to the Kansas City Royals, and Ben yes. Zobrist is by far one of the top players ever from the Tampa Bay Rays. Because of the quality of character that he brought from here and demonstrated here so much that the St. Pete Times wrote a two-page editorial, an article on him when they traded him to the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, somebody like Ben Zobrist is a great example of perseverance. In fact, uh, you take uh, the whole team, the Royals, this past year. How many times? They were down by six runs in the last inning in one of the games they were playing, an elimination game with Houston, and they came back and actually won that game. Had a couple of other situations like that as well. Set the example for the Rays and the Twins and the other teams, and the reality is almost every year another team comes along and sets the example of the payoff of perseverance. When you got to persevere when you're playing, playing 163 to 166 games in a year, yes. all to get, all to then get the opportunity to play in another 21. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's an incredible, incredible sport. I love baseball. This isn't a sports show, but we're talking about Ben Zobrist. No. <laughs> and, and if you can help me get an interview with him, I'd love to get an interview with him. Uh, oh, wouldn't so, that be nice? You were going to ask me about uh, what happens if we lose hope and what kind of a difference that makes. Yeah, what, talk about that because really we're talking about let, – let's apply it to the workplace because you and I are talking with the approximately 15,000 people spread across the yeah. globe. And we work alongside people. As Christ followers, we've got hope. We've got that certain yes. absolute certainty, but we work alongside people who live without that hope, and you can see it on their faces. Yeah, and what happens is, uh, number one, if you lose hope, you tend to stop performing on the job. You fail to get your job done, which can lead to losing your job. It can lead to uh, demotion. It can lose, lead to a loss of pay. Uh, and physically, a loss of hope can lead to disease. It can lead to death. Emotionally, when you lose hope, you wind up feeling lonely and empty and angry and worried. And spiritually, a loss of hope can leave you feeling bitter and isolated from God. All of those are terrible effects uh, when a person loses hope. And obviously, when you lose hope, you will not apply hope. You will not persevere. So perseverance doesn't happen when we have lost hope. There's a lot of great biblical examples of even of, of famous biblical characters that lost hope, like Elijah, after the after the defeating the prophets of Baal, yeah. Uh, and he thought, well, I'm the only guy left. Everybody's gone, and he starts running for forty days. 
uh, which uh, that's an amazing feat anyway that somebody could run for 40 days. But he ran yeah, for f- cover, covering over 80 miles. I mean, it was incredible, the guy. And but, uh, the reality is God knew how to rekindle his hope. And uh, there, when Elijah was uh, near Mount Sinai, and, and God sent an earthquake and a strong wind and a fire, and wasn't in any of those, God spoke to him in a still, small voice and uh, basically helped him deal with his spiritual situation, deal with his emotions, and then gave him a job to do that Elijah was perfectly capable of doing. He gave him three people to anoint, and uh, essentially then gave him a young man to mentor named Elisha, who became the prophet in his place. Well, and when you look at that, the the process, a lot of us get well, I always joke, well, I don't joke with it, but I give people the example. Listen, we got to get to the end of our own rope. And a lot of times, unfortunately, it takes us getting to the end of our own rope until we, we realize that God's been holding out his rope all along. So it's an example of we get to the end of our, we get so full of despair and we realize, oh, God's got an answer all along. But it's until we get into that really quiet zone that we can hear God's a- voice. And, Jim, that's exactly what happened with Elijah. You know, he had uh, run all the way from northern Israel down to Beersheba, which is uh, way down in the southern part of Israel. I've been there. It was 120 degrees in the shade, and there was no shade. And Elijah went from there a day's journey into the wilderness, sat down under a broom bush, and, and basically said, God, let me die. He was suicidally depressed. He had lost hope entirely, and he said, I'm the only one left, and they want to seek uh, to take my life. And God reminded him, look, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 people in Israel that have never bowed the knee to Baal. So God took steps to rekindle Elijah's hope and to allow him once again to persevere. Has there ever been a time in your work life where you got to that point where you were feeling despair, where you had lost your hope, where you were, I mean, has there ever been one of those times in your own life? There actually has, Jim. And when I first set out to write the book, as I mentioned earlier, I really had not felt like giving up. You know, I had some difficult days, good days and bad days, but I'd always been a positive, motivated person. But then two or three things happened and kind of came together in a perfect storm. And uh, you guys down in the Florida Peninsula understand perfect storms and uh, sort of like a couple of hurricanes hitting at once. And I really came to the place where I just didn't feel like going on. And God used some people to encourage me. God used his word to encourage me. God used my taking some time out. Part of the problem is I was stressed out to the point of burning out. In fact, Jim, I like to tell people I burned out. I've written two books on burnout and burned out both times. And uh, <laughs> because of that, uh, God taught me some lessons that have helped me to persevere in hard times since then. And when you get through those lessons, you're able to share those with other people. I mean, that's the thing. God yeah. never wastes an experience like that. Yeah. In fact, Romans fifteen four says whatever things were written beforehand, and that includes circumstances that we experience, or for our learning that we, through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, might have hope. And in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says the God of all encouragement encourages us in our trouble so we can encourage others in whatever trouble they're in with the encouragement God gave us. I firmly believe that the adverse experiences that we have, the things that make us feel like giving up, 
are really designed to strengthen us. Uh, just like an athletic team that is going through spring training, which is happening in Florida right now and other parts of the world, and uh, the kind of thing where people get tired and exhausted and say, I really don't want to keep going. Uh, but it is that keeping on, keeping on in the face of that difficulty that strengthens us so that we can accomplish things for the Lord. Hey, we still got a couple of copies of Don's book to give away today, Never Give Up by Don Hawkins. Call into the studio line now at 877-943-9673. You mentioned adversity. And and really, what I have learned in these last 10, really 13 years since we moved to Florida is that there's an upside to adversity. Oz Hillman wrote a book about it that I've, I've given away lots and lots of copies. But a lot of us in Christendom hear a lot of preachers talking about, you know, that, hey, if you come to Christ, it's all going to be perfect. But Christ <laughs> promised us adversity. He promised he us, hey, he goes, he goes, listen, you're going to come to cry. You're going to come to be my follower and people are going to reject you. They're going to hate you. They're going to despise you because of me. And this adversity, though, what I have seen in my own life, and I'm, I'm almost 50, I'll be 50 this summer. And what I've seen in my own life is that God used that adversity to shape me, to shape me from who I am to who mm. he can use more effectively. Did you see that same thing in your own life? I've seen that absolutely true, Jim, and I think it's true for every one of us if we allow God to do that. Uh, it's very much uh, like what Paul said in Romans 5, where he said, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But he said, you have to let perseverance produce its perfect work, that you may be complete and entire, lacking in nothing. And uh, then he goes on, that's in James chapter 1, actually. And then he says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't understand what's going on, ask God for wisdom and ask in faith. So the reality is, uh, Jesus said to his disciples in the last verse in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. Then he said, take courage, I've overcome the world. Uh, for me, Jim, for you, for every one of us, those times that test us, are designed to make us better, to make us stronger, to make us better equipped to serve the Lord and to have an impact in the lives of others. That's been my experience. Uh, I might not enjoy the process, but it's exactly what God wants to do in my life. But what you just said there is the summary of the Christian walk. I mean, in this yep. life, you're going to face adversity. You're going to have trouble. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, but but that I've already overcome the world. And, and what's incredible, a lot of, you know, I, I thank God I watched a lot of Star Trek, because I, I, I did. And it's helped me understand the power of God and the immenseness of the universe, because God operates outside of time. And when Jesus said, I've already overcome it, because God sees time as an object. The beginning and the end, he's already seen it. And and it's amazing. When he when Jesus said, I've already overcome the world, it's already done. The deal's done. Right. He finished it. He signed it in his blood. And and that, but we still need to, I don't know, people don't, when they think, they were, oh, I'm going to become a Christ follower. How come my life is so much harder? That's exactly it. When you give your life to Christ, you will be refined. He is going to restore you. And he uses refinement to restore us. But that's a good we don't thing. Like, we do, yeah, but we don't like the process, Jim. We don't <laughs> like the pain. We'd like the shortcut. We'd like the pain-free uh, way to go. We don't like to be lacking in funds or lacking or being misunderstood by people or, 
or losing a job or those kinds of things. But those are the very things that happen to us that God can turn into experiences of strength and make us better. I was listening to Johnny Erickson Tata earlier talking about the lessons that she learned from the wheelchair. And uh, what a profound example of perseverance Johnny has been. And knowing Johnny and Ken Tata, as I've had the privilege of doing over the years, I know that just the the routine things of daily life uh, are immense burdens for Johnny and even for Ken. But they persevere and they don't give up. And what an incredible testimony they've had. And if they can do that, if they can claim God's grace to persevere, then why can't you and I do it, right? So in the last 30 seconds before we go to break, give a word of encouragement to those people listening today in their workplaces and how they can apply this lesson in their workplace. You may have a boss who seemed to come from the bottomless pit of the abyss. You may be trying to soar like an eagle while you work with turkeys, and you may feel like you're ready to quit your job. But the reality is God may have you right where he wants you, and he wants to give you the strength and the endurance. You ask him. You find a friend who can encourage, and you can encourage that friend, and then you trust God to pull you through that difficult time. We're talking with Don Hawkins today about perseverance, but I want to end this time, Don. We've got a couple of minutes, just a little bit less than that, to tell the story of Aunt Dorothy, because this is a story that everybody needs to hear. Dorothy was a militant atheist. In fact, she would give Madeline Murray O'Hare a run for her money, Jim. Uh, over decades of time, she tried to persuade me not to follow Christ, not to commit my life to Christ. My dad and my mother prayed for her. She was my dad's oldest sister. And uh, they shared the gospel and prayed and reached out to her and loved her. Aunt Dorothy developed cancer, and she was hospitalized. And Mother's Day 1990, uh, she was 82 years of age. And my dad said to me, let's go visit Aunt Dorothy one more time. And I visited her in the hospital, and uh, I said, Aunt Dorothy, can I pray with you? And normally she would have said no. This time she said yes, and I said, Lord, you know that Aunt Dorothy hasn't wanted to trust you. And she, lo and behold, she prayed and said, but I do. And right there in that hospital bed, she prayed and asked Jesus to be her personal Savior. And everybody that saw her from that day until the day she died, just three days later, said that it was a remarkable transformation. God has the ability because we didn't give up on sharing the gospel and praying for her. And I believe that's a great lesson for us in work, in business, Jim, and in life. I can't agree more. I mean, we just, because we never know whether somebody's going to come to Christ on their deathbed or, or sometime before, but to be able to keep that message consistently in front of them. And, and that's the message of perseverance. If there's anything we need to persevere for, with, it's with our Christ, non-Christ following friends who need mm. the hope that you and I live with each and every day. The stuff that keeps us going, they need it. Don, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was a great conversation. I look forward to future conversations between you and Always I. Always a privilege, Jim, and I'll be praying for you and Martha and the upcoming cruise. And appreciate the work you're doing with I Work For Him. All right, Don Hawkins, thank you so much. Consider tonight, what have you given up on? Where do you need more hope in your life? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Are you, have you given up trying to do this on your own and put your faith in what he did on the cross? You know, 
We talked today about perseverance, and it's so important that we recognize that the hope that we have as Christ followers, that absolute certainty that we live with each and every day, is the energy, it's the, it's the food that we live on as Christ followers, and that the people that we work around, that, that we work with each and every day, they need to hear what we know. But I know they, they sometimes put a wall up and say, no, I don't want to hear that stuff. I don't, I'm not a religious person. You're religious. That works for you. It doesn't work for me. No, no, no. That's the story of Aunt Dorothy. She kept pushing people off. And, and, and Don went one time when, she, when he thought she was dying and he tried to share with her and, and he went home and he had to go back a second time and he wrote her a note. And finally, she put her faith in Christ at the last minute. But just as the thief on the cross gave his life to Christ at the last minute, we need to keep pursuing our friends, our neighbors, and love them with the life that Jesus gave us, the hope that he gave us. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business, but you know what? Ultimately, I work for him.